Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. Our vision is to extend and establish the influence of the kingdom of God by equipping the saints for the work of ministry. We hope that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. Father, we thank you tonight for this opportunity to sit in your presence, O oh Lord. We thank you, Father, for this day that's been. We thank you for your mercy, for your grace that was sufficient for us. And as we come now, Father God, to learn more about you and your word, I pray, Father God, that you give us insight, that you give us an alertness in our spirits, Father, that you give us understanding, Father, that we don't just come to study the Bible tonight, but that we allow your word to transform us. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you minister the words of life to our hearts, that we may be changed. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thanks, Craig. So, Paul spent three chapters, like that we, we actually went through in record time, I think. In just two sittings, we went through three chapters. And like we discussed, in those three chapters, Paul shares with us the gospel story. Right, and uh, you would agree with me that it was in artistic detail. He illustrated that Christ and the Father, all that they have done for us. But it doesn't end there. He did this, and he, he does this that we may respond, right, and make this our story too. I think that's an, a pivotal point where. The gospel story is not something that we like and uphold and make it a part of our story. It actually needs to become our story. And that's what he, he moves into, into now. That we are moved by such gratitude and thanksgiving knowing that we were first loved. And then we respond knowing that we're loved. You see, when you know that you're loved, you respond in a, in a secure manner that you know who you are in that relationship. You know who, what, who your identity is, if you guys understand what I mean. And then you walk in a manner, in a manner worthy of the calling. right? And uh, tonight, I do encourage, this is the one chapter I think, I think the message it conveys the idea and the thought and the philosophy, but the, the other translations have these, such these great sayings, like worthy of the manner of the calling, and, and we're gonna discuss that. So tonight, whatever translation you have, if it's paper or digital, let's read, let's read that and let's, let's see how the translations unpack it for us. So yeah, so I'm gonna, we're gonna start off with, we're reading Ephesians 4 tonight. And we're going to read the first chunk is with verse 1 to 6. You want me to kick off? All right. So I'll kick off from the message. And like this is what we read last week. In, in light of all this, all that we have studied, the gospel story, here's what I want you to do. While I'm locked up here as a prisoner for the master, I want you to get out there and walk. Better yet, run. On the road, God called you to travel. I don't want any of you sitting around on your hands. I don't want any of you strolling off down some path that goes nowhere. And mark that you do this with humility and discipline, not in fits and starts, but steadily pouring yourselves out for each other in acts of love, alert at noticing differences and quick at mending fences. You were called to travel on the same road and in the same direction, so stay together. 
both outwardly and inwardly. You, you have one master, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who rules over all, works through all, and is present in all. Everything you are and think and do is permeated with oneness. Yeah, um, I think the, the message does really paint a good picture of what he's trying to say, the, the unity, the togetherness. Um, our worthiness is about how we manage to gel together. So when he says walk worthy of the core, we have to ask ourselves, before we can know how, what it looks like to walk worthy of it, we need to know what the core is. Right? And we've discussed it so many times, the core is to be the image bearers of God. It, it means to reflect God to the world, but vice versa, to reflect the world back to God. I wish I could show you a, a video, I'll show, probably show it next week, um, of N.T. Wright and what he means, and what he believes it means to be an image bearer. He has the philosophy that it's an angled mirror. It can look in one direction, but in looking back, we can, so God reflects himself in the world through us. And we reflect the world back to God through our praise and our worship. So when all creation worships, it's when we lift our hands, when we lift our voices, right? But to walk worthy in that call, we need to do it together. Right, so the ESV um, translation uh, gives a bit more detail as to what that means. It says, um, to, walk to walk in a worthy manner of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Um, it's a, it's interesting the way Paul phrases this. I think in our generation, in our, in our way of doing church and our, the Christianity that we experience is a very isolated Christianity. Um, our, our, we have gates in front of our houses, we have walls up, we have, whereas in the way he's speaking is as if we're living in close proximity to one another the humility, the, the bearing with one another, the fact that someone's in your face constantly. It's the, the idea of bearing with someone is like when you see that person all the time and they, their flaws really begin to stand out, you know, and then you have to bear with them, right? But with gentleness and with meekness, right? with, a, with a sense of, of, of not just, yeah, I love you, it's to, to genuinely care for that person, right? To take on their interest above yourself. And that's, that's the love part. To love them till you like them, yes. Can I, another yeah. way of putting it is you, you're a family on a journey. I mean, yeah. that's, I mean, that's what it means to have a family. You're taking the words out of my mouth. <laughs> 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 right? Um, because... The truth is, we are family and we are on a journey, right? But our journey is not just focused towards Jesus. That's not the pursuit, the only pursuit. Our pursuit is to draw closer to one another as we draw closer to Jesus. Right? And that pursuit is not, I first get right with God and then I get right with people. Right? Because 
because John in his letter says, if you can't love the people, then there's no way you see. can love God. Yeah, if you can't love who you can see, yeah. how are you going to love someone? So then the, the idea of first getting it right with God and then getting it right with people kind of falls flat on its face. However, you can't get it right with people and not get it right with God. So there's this merging of the two where we, we, use, we, we get right with people and with God at the same time. <coughs> As we figure this out, God manifests himself. As we gel together, God shows up. Right? And when he shows up, then we gel together. And then we gel together and he shows up. That, that's the idea there, because if we make it one or the other, I've seen people who, are, who pray for a long, long time and can't stand their next door neighbor. So clearly getting it right with God doesn't necessarily equal getting it right with people. Well, it doesn't mean just you pray and doesn't mean you're getting it right with God. <laughs> well, you never yeah. know, eh? <laughs> so um, it's, the idea here is not we're going to get saved. The idea is we're going to pursue Jesus mm. with one another. Yeah, it's not like re- remembering the last chapter that we did yeah. is where Jesus is the cornerstone. Yeah. Right, and, and we are these living stones. But what, like we said, we're the temples. Only when, we only form the temple when we come together. And like you said, Jesus is the mortar as well as the cornerstone. Yeah. He holds us together with yeah. the Spirit. It's, yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. So then, he, then he, Paul goes into this in, in, in the more, you, you saw it in the message too, but he says, there's one body, one Spirit, uh, just as we were called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. That's a powerful statement. I think Paul does this a lot. Right? He's about to jump into a diversity discussion where we are different, we are not the same. But before he gets there, he wants to ground us in the idea that we are united. Right? So he does this in Romans 12 before he talks about gifts. Right? He says we are one body. He does it in 1 Corinthians when he talks about gifts. He says it's all given by one spirit. He mentions the one body there too. So before he, he dives into this diversity discussion, he always wants us to know that we ought to be grounded in the unity. Because once we understand that we're grounded in unity, our diversity is no longer uh, an issue for us. Right? It's not something that we fight with one another. It's something we serve one another with. Because he knows the human condition. Yeah. We, we want to grab hold of what makes us different yeah. and celebrate our uniqueness. Yeah. And in celebrating our uniqueness sometimes, and tragically, we forget what yeah. brought us together in the first place. Yeah. Our diversity is most effective in unity. And that's where I get to serve you with my difference. That's where you get to serve me with your difference. Yeah, the complementing of each yeah. other. That's why, yeah, sorry, Shepan, to chip in, is that that's why marriage is such a beautiful picture of the union with Christ. And we are the bride in the church, and he's the groom. And just like a, a normal marriage and healthy marriages, when one partner is weak, the other one is strong. Yeah. And it's not always stereotypical, you know. I was talking to Clive before that, where, where your spouse's strengths are some, most likely your weaknesses, and how that awesome that is when you come together and complement each other. So we in the body of Christ need to be that. Your brother next to you or your sister next to you has something to help you where you have weakness and vice versa and generally help each other at the same time sometimes mm-hmm. and that's a beautiful picture. Yeah. And then, then he makes a statement which is sometimes we goes over our heads. He says, one God, one Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. 
and, and it, it's, a, it's fascinating when you, when, you, when you study this idea of God being, in Him we live, in Him we move, in Him we have our being. It's like where that merging of heaven and earth collides where you don't know where heaven ends and earth begins. Right? That's, that's the picture there. It's like Paul says in, in Galatians 2, um, I no longer love, even though he loves, but Christ lives in him. Where are you starting and where are you ending, Paul? Right? Or where he says in 1 Corinthians 15, I will labor more than they all, but not I, the grace of God. Now, who labored, Paul? Did you labor or did the grace of God labor? Right? So he's, he's painting this picture that while God is working in us, we are working as well. And we can't tell where God starts and where we finish. And that's, that's the beauty of how God works within mankind. You don't know when it's God and when it's man. Right? That's, I, I have a need, for instance, a good example. I have a need. I need uh, 5,000 rand, for instance. I don't need 5,000 rand, but I'm just saying. It's an example. Right? Now, yeah, 50,000 he says for that ring. So, <laughs> so I need 5,000 rand, right? What do I do? I pray. I say, God, I need 5,000 rand. I'm in a tight spot. When Karen comes to me two weeks later, hands me 5,000 rand. What do I do? I say, praise the Lord. Who gave me the money? Did the Lord give me the money or Aunt Karen give me the money? Both. Both of them gave me the money at the same time. And so that's how this in all, through all, and over all works. This idea that God functions through mankind and at times we can't even see when it's him and when it's us. Hmm. It's a powerful thing when you realize that when we love one another, it's God loving each other. Yeah, we, we his hands and feet. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say this later, but it's poignant now. Where we read ahead, or it talks about a son in Greek, and you know there's many Greek words, but there's a heos. And the definition here says, properly a son, anyone sharing the same nature as their father. Heos, or son, emphasizes the likeness of the believer to the heavenly father, i.e. resembling his character more and more by living in faith. Like we were speaking last week about, Michael Morris gave the example of how you see your, yourself and your children. But I mean, think of that imagery as of a son. It's not just biological or positional. It's the likeness is being reflected. Just like you look like aspects of your parents and your behavior. Well, like what Siobhan is, is saying and illustrating is that when we become, and in this, in this definition, it's a mature son, mm. right? When you are fully formed, yeah. you, you, you represent and you look like and you start acting like and you have behavior of the father. Yeah. And even before that, because I mean, you look at Philippians 2, for instance, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And then he says, but it's both God who is working in you, both to will and to do. So there's a, even in the working out of this, God is very much in the midst of it. And he's doing it while we're doing it. And somehow we become co-laborers with him. Right? That co-laboring then become, takes on our own new meaning. Because now I realize that my hand acts as the hand of God right, to everyone around me. And that's not, I'm inspired to do this, or I heard the Lord say to do this, or <coughs> even when you're unconsciously acting in love, it's as if God is acting in love towards the person you're doing it to. Mm. Um, and, and that's powerful. And that's the way God designed for us to function. 
it designed for us to, at times, not to, to make it so blurry at times, <coughs> to weather. Is this God? Or is this just on Karen? Is this the goodness of our heart? Or is this God inspiring her to do this? Like, where is the starting and where is this finishing? And when we get that type of gelling and unity, because God's flowing through us like that, then we, we set ourselves up for a glorious time. Hmm. Right? You All right. Before we get there, uh, who would like to read from a different translation? Again, Ephesians 4, verse 3. Any other traditional translation? Those who have papal Bibles in front of them. Yeah, read, read verse. Yeah, please, always the mic. Thank you. Verse 3. Okay, Ephesians 4 verse 3. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bonds of peace. Yes. That's New King James. Thank you. Don't you just love that together in the unity of the Spirit? Do, do you love that, right? I mean, what do you guys understand by when they say the unity of the Spirit? And note the spelling of Spirit. Or the, the capital S. What do you guys understand by that? There's no... I'm just interested to hear your thoughts when we say the unity of the Spirit. I think it summarizes now what he's been saying all this stuff. Hmm. <laughs> Thanks, Craig. Yeah, I think he summarizes what he's now been saying all this time <laughs> about the unity and what he's actually pointing us to is that when he says... Uh, one God over all and in everything and through everything. Um, what St. Paul is really doing here is pointing us back to our origin, that God is one. Yeah. That you can't serve elements or certain aspects of God. You either serve God or you don't serve Him. Yeah. And he's basically saying, and what Shavana is saying, is it man? Is it, yeah. is it God doing something? Is it like I've got, I don't know, these last few months have been the craziest time of my life that I can ever think of. Like I've never prayed as much. And I have to prophesy and declare the word and fight spiritual battles and things. And then Chantal and I were, our lease was coming to an end where we were staying. So we had to move and we found this place in Pineland. So it's, it's almost twice the amount that we were paying before. So, but there was such a peace that I told her, let's go for it, because I, I don't feel that the Spirit is holding me back or saying, no, don't do it. Even though I know financially this is going to eat us because it's twice the amount of money and it's, you have to now get the deposit and all those things from scratching it. So, when we were starting to tell people that this is actually happening, like within the first week of us, before we even signed any papers or gave notice or whatever, we already had four months worth of rent from people who don't really even know each other. Mm. Like these people would just come and say, I'm going to pay for two months. And then somebody else came and said, I'm going to pay for two months. Then I got a contract to develop a mobile app. And I really didn't have the time or the space to do it. So I thought what I'm going to do is I'm going to inflate this quotation. Like, I'm going to put a really, really high price on this thing. Just because I told these guys I can't do it. I don't have the resources right now. I don't have the time. So I'm basically going to double the price if you want. Mm. And they signed off on the deal. 
and they paid the money. Now so, you got a dirt tray. <laughs> so now I'm sitting, I've got almost six months worth wow. of rent. So That's awesome. On my bank statement, it's all those people's names. But who actually did it? Yeah. Hmm. See, God is going to do nothing. Like Jensen Franklin was saying the other night, I never received a check signed by Jehovah Jireh. <laughs> <laughs> like God has blessed me. Yeah. But the check doesn't say Jehovah Jireh. Yeah. yeah. And that, that is the ultimate unity. Yeah. That he's calling us to here and United in Spirit, capital S obviously. Yeah. Just sort of refers back to that then. Yeah. There's a oneness here that we need to desire for. Yeah. As much as we want to look different to everybody else, mm. even within our faith we want to be this church wants to be different to that church. Mm-hmm. Mm. He's mm-hmm. calling us through unity. Amen. Yeah. yeah. And it's like would you question when Jesus that we read about Jesus on this earth, would you question what he was doing was not of God? We wouldn't, would we? But we are in Christ now. So that's such a powerful testimony and illustration how God wants to partnership with mankind in in doing his work. He gets joy out of it. I think think that's what we fail to realize is that he could just snap his finger and things happen. Mm -hmm. But his real joy is partnering with mankind and seeing us love him in return and desiring to see his result or his kingdom be manifested through our hands and feet. And I think he, it's like, it's like when, you, when your children are doing something like, the best way I can explain is in your home you teach your children about generosity and loving and gentleness. And what you really get blessed is when you don't tell them to do something and out of the goodness of their own heart, they see someone crying or a little one and they reach out. As a father, you're like, wow, you know? Thank you, Lord. Now imagine, imagine God above when he sees his little children acting in unity and reflecting yeah. him. He must really, I think that must bless his heart. Yeah. must really bless his heart. Uh, yeah, just, just to jump on what you're saying, I think at times when we look at this type of conversation, we, Craig's testimony for instance, I doubt any of the guys that are giving that money were thinking, yeah, you know, I'm inspired by God. They must have thought there's a need. Mm. And we pour, it, we pour into it. And that's the active, but then the same thing with, with Stephen's analogy now, with someone is crying and, and you put your arm around them, that's as much an act of God yeah, I mean. as giving a whole lot of money to someone. Yeah. Um, it's the mundane, the, the, the normal, everyday stuff that I think we miss sometimes because we want to see the glorious things. Yeah, amen. Sorry, thank you. For me, what stands out is that in every aspect of our faith, the relationship part of it is emphasized and is consistent throughout, where God could choose to just have a little money tree in your garden where every time you pray for something, it sprouts a fruit and you go pick the money off and use it. But that would only encourage your relationship between God and you. And because we serve a relational God and because he wants us to be united with each other, he mm. uses each Amen. other to, to, to help each other and to, and to basically serve his purpose, not through like this direct like money tree, but through yeah. mm-hmm. like people helping each other, which I think is really cool because it just emphasizes like mm. he wants us to be relational with him, but relational with each other Amen. as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way. True. Powerful, yeah. I'm going to read Ephesians 4 uh, verse 7. We've got another comment. All right, that's good. <laughs> Can I we like pass it. the mic? 
Just a thought. Um, just based on what Nicolas just shared, when I when I do when I, I've read that text a few times and it says there is one body and one spirit, and Craig's testimony for me it it goes to if we have one spirit and spirit with capital S and this and what is the purpose of illustrating it in the capital? It means that the spirit that is given to the church is one spirit. Mm -hmm. And those people who knew that Craig had a need didn't out of the generosity of their heart necessarily. Holy Spirit drops it in their mind to do this and moves their heart to do that. So that again relates to the one spirit. And I think that sometimes uh, when people do things that are out of the ordinary, it's not necessarily their own will or their own desire, but it's Holy Spirit that moves in their heart. And you can even have... And my question is, what if an unbeliever is moved to, to supply a need that you have? You know, so I, I, that is my question. He uses no. that very often. Um, <laughs> um, well, to, to, to answer, to answer the, the... Like I said, the... The idea there is not to, is not, because I think what, sometimes we get trapped when we speak like, like the way, because that's the language we have, so I'm, I'm not blaming you for that, that's the language we have. The Holy Spirit dropped something into my spirit, right? That's the language we use, but to people who don't understand what we're saying, they think you heard something, mm. Mm. right? We didn't hear anything. We are moved by him, yes. right? But he's subtle. I think it's me moving. Yeah. <laughs> right, that, but that's that's what I'm saying. He still gets the credit for it, right? But he's okay with. I, I find I find something interesting about God. He's so okay with moving in the background. He's so fine with that. Like he will inspire you, and you won't even know you've been inspired by him, mm. right? And he's not like that. But he didn't give me credit. He's not thinking like that. He's like, my word, they imitated me. He took on to that idea. That's such a good idea. Yeah, just rem- remembering when, when we read about Jesus and when he's, it says he was moved by compassion. Yeah. You see, the, uh, the Spirit, it, it resides in us. The Holy Spirit resides in us. And, and like Siobhan says, it, and if we say we start to reflect God's nature and God's nature become, is within us, it's, you see, this is where, I agree with Siobhan, we get stuck where, who am I listening to? You know, it is very easy sometimes to understand that because you know your, your own self. Yeah. But you, you, it's not about diagnosing exactly where it comes from, but when God's will is manifested, it's when humanity and his spirit are together in one because that's how we were destined to yeah. be. They were clothed yeah. with glory. It was who they were. Yeah. Um, and yeah. when we do that, we are, we are reflecting God. Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm all for that. Like James says, every good and perfect gift comes from above. Yeah. So there's no... There's no this is my idea type of thing. It's just when God, most times when I've moved, right, I've not moved knowing I've heard God. Yeah. You know what I mean? The first time I healed the sick, it wasn't because I heard the Spirit of the Lord. I read a, a line within the Bible that said, I can heal the sick, and I ran to the first sick person I saw. I said, look, yeah, the Bible says so, so this must work. <laughs> right? Was I inspired by God? Of course I was inspired by God, but at the time I wasn't thinking I was inspired. I was thinking, let's, like, I had a lot of guts. <laughs> I was like, let's see if this works. Yeah. And it worked. So that's, that's the, the, the meshing of the two. The meshing of my spirit and the spirit of God 
you can't tell them apart. Right? After the fact, we can tell them apart. So, so I'll, I'll, I'll try from my side is that I think when, when you're not a believer, we, we say that your spirit, your lowercase s, is no longer alive in fellowship and communication with God. In other words, it's not a direct link or channel. Or there's no permanent relationship there. But I believe that God, you know, we're all built with a, a young child just as quickly as they're born in the sin nature. They know how to lie without telling them how to lie. We are born with, if we're in the image of God, we know what's right and what's wrong. And I believe the spirit can, though he's not dwelling within them, he can, he can come alongside them and you know, steer them in a direction. I believe sometimes that is the first moment where they're getting to know the spirit. And then they begin to invite and become and recreate the human spirit that they then become that one mesh. That's what, that's what my I would also would I would also say that when you see um, Genesis, for instance, right? If you eat of this fruit, the day you eat of it, you'll surely die, right? Let's not make as if the, the writer was no, had no idea about what's going to happen. He writes the story, and then after that, they don't die. So he's not like plot twist. No. <laughs> he's, what, he's, what he's doing is he's saying, if you start making your, if you choose right and wrong for yourself, you're going to move in a direction of death. Away from God. Away from God, right? But God is still speaking to Cain after Adam and Eve sinned. He doesn't stop. God is still yeah. speaking to the generations after that, right? So it's, it's not as if God can't do it. If God can raise Pharaoh, then God can raise someone to give you something nice, <laughs> you know? So he idea. has the ability to do what he pleases, and it's our nature to reflect him, right? Even though we're moving in that direction, the more we move in that direction, the more difficult it is to reflect him, but it's not impossible to reflect him even though you don't know him. Because we still have his image. Yeah. Someone else wants to say? Yes, Nicole. It's just a small, just yeah, to touch on the, the practical thing. Because when you, when I read it, um, um, I just what stands out for me in that little passage is, it's kind of an encouragement, and a lot for the small, not just big things like the mm-hmm. the spirit of God uniting us all. But in the, the little practical yeah. things of every day, when he, like I, I like it when in the ESV it says, be eager to maintain the, yeah. that unity. Yeah. Because I think he, he knows here how hard it can be for a group of such different people mm-hmm. with different upbringings and different views of life and to always be united and always try to see things the same way it's not mm. actually and you hurt each other mm. and he says yeah. bear, bear with one another in love with patience yeah. and I think that speaks to how how everyone is at a div- different level of maturity mm-hmm. in their walk and yeah. you need to like remember that yeah. I think he's trying to say like yeah. bear with one another because that person is not re- you know that hasn't been revealed to that person yeah. Um, they haven't learned that lesson yet, so I know you're annoyed with them right now, but <laughs> just bear with them a little. Um, and I think that's also what he's trying yeah. to... Yeah, I don't think Paul is, is trying to communicate that we were to be perfect. Right? I think that's, if, we, if that's the case, then we're all lost. <laughs> There's no way. Right? But he, he's saying, guys, move in a direction 
forget about the pace at which you move in that direction, but move it at the, in, that, in that direction. Because yeah. right? many times we move fast, but in circles. Yeah. So <laughs> don't, don't move fast. Just, just gradually move towards the image of Christ. That's his, that's his art there. And, and we fight for that. Like I said, it's intentional. Like, we don't, if I get annoyed, if I don't intentionally say I can't act like this, then I'm just going to be annoyed. Yeah. Bang, bang on, Nicole, is that, um, I mean, who here has a perfect family? <laughs> you guys. Uh, trying to get points. <laughs> um, that's the point I think he's making, yeah. is that unity is not an emotional, perfect wellspring. Wow, this is all going great. It's, it needs to be maintained. It needs to be sought after. It needs to be something that you strive for. And like, I like, like you said in the SV, too to eager to mm. maintain. And um, that's, that's why we, we like characterizing it as a family on a journey. Because when you're in a family and you go on a long road trip, you have great times. <laughs> And then you get cabin fever, right? <laughs> where you just, there's some moments where you're too close and then yeah. you rub against each other. And he's well aware of this and this is what yeah. he's pointing out. But that's why unity of the spirit is key. That's what keeps us together. Mm-hmm. That we're in Christ and we're in the spirit. Mm-hmm. Amen. This is awesome, guys. Yeah. Okay. So let's go on to verse 7. Only verse 7. Yeah. But that doesn't mean you should all look and speak and act the same. Out of the generosity of Christ, each of us is given a gift, given his own gift. And uh, Siobhan will read that text. Okay, so, uh, but before, quickly, I'll, I'll be very short. We already said it, so we don't have to recap. It's, what he's saying is that it's unity through diversity. I mean, we cannot fathom God in our own minds. So how can we, understand, how can we think that God's going to create one template? Mm. If you think of everything, just think for a moment, your mind... Louis Giglio moment. Every human being that has lived and will live on this earth from the beginning to the end of time will all be unique and different. And yet we still reflect the image of God. Yeah. Every fingerprint, retina scan, whatever you want to do, it's, everyone is unique. Can you imagine? Yeah. I mean, so this is how God celebrates his images that is through the diversity of his children. Yeah. Verse 8 says, Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and gave gifts unto men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. Right? He gave gifts. He gave to some apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up the body of Christ. So, yeah, I know, I know how all of us have this image of when it says he descended, and I'm like, he went down into the earth. I'm not going to try to get into that. Um, <laughs> uh, but basically what Paul's doing is quoting Psalm 68. Right? He's, he's, he's quoting Psalm 68, and I just want to read Psalm 68 for you. It says, what you... Verse? Verses 18, verse 18. Verse 18 says this. You ascended on high, leading a host of captives in your train and receiving gifts among men, even among the rebellious, that the Lord may dwell there. Right? So he is showing you that Jesus came down 
led captivity captive. Right? He's, he's, he's not only conquered, but he's set men free. Right? And then he's given gifts unto men. That's, that's what Paul sort of gets out of this. He's saying, but Psalm 68 says he received gifts. So Paul turns it on his head and says, the nature of God is not only to come and lead captivity captive with everyone following his train, which is basically a terminology that the, the more battles the king won, the longer his train became. Right? The, the thing that went around him. Cape. The cape, yes. Mm. You know, the cape. Um, the longer it became. That's why Isaiah says that train of the road fills the temple because he's never lost the battle. Right? So he goes and he leads captivity captive. And Paul, instead of saying he received gifts, says the nature of our father is to give. And he gives gifts. Right? But if you understand the entire Psalm 68, it's about God setting things right. right? That's what leading captivity captive is about. It's about setting things right, but for what purpose? So that he may dwell there. Right? Paul, even though it seems like he's made a shift with the quotation, he's still talking about dwelling in unity so that God may show up. Right? And then he talks about gifts. I'm not going to get into all these gifts. But I will say this, he's making a point here, we're not the same. Right? And instead of us nitpicking about how we're different, our differences should be united around the fact that it's one giver. Amen. Right? So there his, his, his argument is not really about, am I apostle, am I a prophet, am I a teacher? That's not his argument. He's saying you all are different, right? but you ought to be united. Right? And he even says this, he says in verses, verse 10, he says, he who ascended is the one who also, who descended is the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he may fill all things. So Paul is kind of commentating on Psalm 68 saying, this is how God is giving gifts to men. This is your gift set, your gift set. Whatever you've got, you've got so that you could serve the rest of the body so that we could become united, so that we gel. It's not so that I say, I'm so-and-so and you must serve me. Right? It's, I've got this gift, how can I serve you? And in serving you, guess what happens? God dwells. Right? That's how he shows up. He shows up when I serve you and when you serve me. Right? So the dwelling of the Lord is when this, when this thing works itself out, even though it's messy. That's what I love about Psalm 68. It's very messy. Psalm 68 is about battle and confusion and God coming in the midst of it and putting things right and dwelling. Right? So it's not once we get this right, then God shows up. No, as we are learning to get it right, God's showing up. Yep. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Carry on. I'm going to read Ephesians 4, 12 to 13 first from the ESV. It says, you read up to 11, right? Yeah. Says, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. We're all familiar with, with that one, right? Being in this church. For the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. The reason why I'm starting there is when I first joined the ministry last year, March, I was really fixated on the scripture because it was our, the Ministries International specifically, as well as this church, uh, Ephesians 4.12 would be our purpose or mission, vision statement. And um, 
the word equip just grabbed me because it was like the, the English language doesn't quite cover it. But the Greek word, katartizo, does. Where, you see, equip, we think in the, in the English language is, Jared lacks something, so I need to equip him. Just like Saul would equip David, like you're going to fight Goliath, but you need all these things, and he would give it. That's not the way Paul is intending here. Kartatizo, mm-hmm. and I'm going to quote, is the, is the original Greek translation. I'm going to read you a quote that I, I found on, uh, on, on re, in researching this. Kartatizo conveys the sense here of not adding something that is lacking, but putting things in order, of adjusting the things that are out of adjustment, as example in describing the fishermen mending their nets. So like after a catch where the net would be all over the place, they would sit there, spend just as much time, if not longer, mending the nets. Paul was commanding the Corinthian saints, in Corinthians as well as he uses the same word here in Ephesians, to mend their ways, to straighten themselves out and restore harmony among themselves. Spiritual wholeness comes when the church, both collectively and individually, is in complete conformity to God's word. To equip the saints to do the responsibility of the church is the responsibility of the church leaders. So he's speaking about these five gifts, and these five gifts are to kartatizo, align the people for their proper functioning. Get them so that the fishing nets catch the right amount of fish, right? So now let's read from the message, verse 12. Until we're all moving, moving rhythmically and easily with each other, efficient and graceful in the response to God's Son. <coughs> fully mature adults, fully developed within and without, fully alive like Christ. Uh, for me, when I'm not, a, I'm not a motorhead or a car person at all, but when I think of all moving rhythmically and easily with each other, I think of a piston engine or I think of a, a mechanical watch or clock where there's these different moving components but when they're in sync and in semen, well oiled, it all works together where each part is driving the other and there's no effort or push. It's rhythmically. A watch, if you just, it's keeping rhythm. A good watch is keeping rhythm and it's in time. And, and the while oiling and that's what's keeping us together is the spirit. Yeah. Right? That's so awesome because like all he's saying then is play your part and play it well. Don't, don't fuss about why someone else is not doing what you're doing. Don't, don't be con- concerned about why someone else doesn't do this, but I have to. <coughs> play your part and play it well. And if you play your part well and I play my part well, they will, they will, the sinking will happen. Right? The minute hand doesn't ask our hand, why are you not moving as fast as I do? Right? Because everyone has their own function, their own purpose, and when it comes together, then we become this body, this temple, mm. this dwelling place, right? Yeah, let's read from, yeah, go for it. Sorry. <laughs> Thank you for stopping us. <laughs> okay, I just wanna um, add on to how I receive it. Um, verse eight, in my translation says that when he ascended on high, he let captivity captive. It gives me a sense of when Jesus gives gifts to men and you believe in him and you walk in that unity, you have a freedom to exercise your gifts once you're in the spirit of God. So it's not like you're constrained. Captivity is left captive. You're free to walk in unity, if that makes any sense. Mm. So, sorry. 
So we're free to use our equipment and flow in the Spirit and, you know, endeavoring to just keep this room like a guy said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when, so, you, when you're captive, someone's telling you how to do it in, exactly. in their, what their mindset mm-hmm. in terms of like a pharaoh and the Israelites where they, an accountant would be in the mud trench doing it, what everybody else would do. He's not exercising what his gifting mm-hmm. is. That, that's exactly, that's how I receive it. So you're free to just feel comfortable with what God has given you. And I think that's where a lot of Christians stumble. They, they try to, you know, I want to I wanna lay hands on people. I want to raise the dead. I want to I wanna speak to thousands and thousands. But in actual fact, you just need to realize you're free to exercise your natural gift in Christ. Yeah. You don't have to worry about these other things. Just full, fulfill yeah. your responsibility and your role. Yeah. And you'll find such unity in the Spirit of God just by living out His yeah. Word yeah. and by clinging in unity. Yeah. So what you're good at, I think sometimes we expect the fish to climb the tree. <laughs> you know, we, that's just not, that's impossible. And then we tell the fish he's dumb because he's not climbing the tree. Put him in water. Right? Allow him to be who he is and then he will flow. I just love, I, th- I think a lot of people focus on verse 12 a lot, but I like verse 13. It says, until we all attain the unity of the faith. There's something in the unity of the faith. <laughs> and the knowledge of the Son of God. To what? And this is the end purpose. What, we, what the de- final destination in the Greek word, the telos, the, the end point, what it's all about. To mature manhood. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Just like we spoke about. And this is where I brought the heos in. And still the mature son now resembles the father in his act, in his manner, in what he looks like. Just like Jesus says, it's not what I do, but what the father does. Right? What the father says I do. He, he, he was a mature son. You want to know what a mature son looks like? You, you look at Jesus and in his release in ministry, he's doing everything through the father and in the father. And just like we do everything in Him and through Him. Uh-huh. And let's just read verse 14 to 16 because we haven't done that yet. No prolonged infancies among us, please. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> we'll not tolerate babes in the woods. Small children. Oh, that just popped at me now. Just think about that. Where's the last place you want babes? In the woods. You know, which is a dangerous... It's speak about we want mature sons that are ready for what's going to come against. We want people that are... Again, the English word equipped doesn't cover it, but someone that is ready for what's about to stand there. Small children who are an easy mark for imposters. God wants us to grow up, to know the whole truth, and to tell it in love, like Christ in everything. We take our lead from Christ, who is the source of everything we do. He keeps us in step with each other. His very breath and blood flow through us, nourishing us so that we will grow up healthily in God, robust in love. I just love the way it ends those verses. And again, I was reminded when it says his very breath. I mean, from the beginning of time when Adam didn't exist as this clay being, when God breathed into him, his very essence, the Ruach of God gets breathed into Adam until the end of mankind. Every single person on this earth is operating through our mechanisms of lungs. And who gives us this breath that we breathe in? It's, it's God's essence that we're breathing in. From a baby, sometimes they don't smack them anymore when they come out the womb, but from the time when a baby takes their first breath, I mean, there's no, when the doctor brings them out, there's that, always that nervous quietness in there. I don't know if you guys have, anyway, those who've been through that process, there's a nervous quietness until you, hear the, until you hear that cry, until you hear that first cry, because it's that first breath. 
the first breath that comes, and for me, I just picture God like he's still breathing into every human being. And then until our last breath, it's his breath. It's his breath that comes within us and gives. And I mean, Paul wasn't a biological student like maybe Luke was, but the blood flow is the hemoglobin in our blood is from the oxygen, which is also air. So the, the breath of God is every part of us. I just love that analogy. Probably Luke was probably next to him. Yeah, Lucas. maybe. <laughs> um, and where he says he keeps us in step with each other. I think it's a, it's a combined unity once again. So I've got a question here. Maybe it's after we read it, but what does a healthy church look like? What does a healthy family, what does a healthy family look like? Do you think he summed it up, didn't he? Right? I've I've said here, life described here is organic and healthy. The characteristics of health is growth. Right? A plant is, we know a plant is alive and well when we're seeing shoots, when we're seeing fruit, when we're seeing blossoms, when we're seeing growth. And this is organic, it's life, it's vibrant. And yeah, I just love that picture. Uh, you, who wants to read your next section is yeah. 17, 17 to 24. Does someone want to read that for us? Please use the microphone. Anyone? Thanks, Thank Sarah. you, Janet. Now, this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds, They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But this is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So, thank you. Paul, I think this is where the, the hinge of Ephesians really comes in. Like, I've said all of these things, now I need you not to act like your old self anymore. And I think that's the, the, the pivot. This is the actual pivot of Ephesians. The first half of the book is now, it's now gone. And guys, now that you know this, you're no longer allowed to act like you used to act. Right? Um, it's quite similar to... to um, the entire portion there seems to be a, an, an extended commentary on if, uh, Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. And it, he, I was telling Stephen earlier on, the, the continuity in chapter 4 with regards to how he uses unity and diversity in his other writings, it's exactly the same. Right, so here he's, he's, he's about to say, okay, guys, we can't act like this anymore. And he says, be renewed. He says, don't be ignorant. He says, I don't want you to act like this anymore. When you read 
1 Corinthians uh, 12, when he talks about diversity there, what does he say? The first thing he says is, guys, about spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be ignorant. And then he talks about their old life and how they served idols. Right? In Romans 12, same thing. It's like, guys, don't be ignorant. Renew your mind now, I want you, because I'm expecting you to live a completely different life. Right? Um, and so, in a, in a nutshell, <laughs> because we're running out of time, <laughs> in a nutshell, this large portion of scripture there, you can, you can chalk it up to a lot of things, but all he's saying is, because of what I've told you in the previous three chapters and the half of the fourth chapter, I expect you now to get your mind in a position so that you don't act the way you used to act. The putting on of the new man and the taking off of the old man is exactly what we've been talking about. Mm -hmm. There's no spiritual taking off of the old man and putting on the new man. It's I repent and start moving in another direction. And as I move in that direction, I take off and put on at the same time. Because right? we, but we all know we've not completely taken off the old, off the old and put on the new. So it seems to be like, why am I getting this sleeve off? I'll put it on and then why? So there's the progress. Right? Paul's not expecting us to get rid of all the old now so we can put on all the new now. Yeah. He's saying, guys, focus, look in this new direction and start running like he says in the beginning of the chapter. I want you to start moving in this direction now together. And as you do it together, together you will take it off and put on. Than you. Oh, yeah. Just the imagery of the running is that when you bog down with this old self, you can't run as fast as you would like. You can't run in the manner which you would like. So things have to come off. Mm -hmm. If you want to run towards Christ, things have to come off. And he says, get rid of it. Yeah. Right? Take on an entirely new way of life, a God-fashioned life, a life renewed from the inside, working itself into your conduct as God actually reproduces his character in you. That's, That's like it's a process. Yeah. Yes. It's working itself in as you're going along. Yeah. So don't be despondent. You're not there yet as long as you're on the road yeah. and you're making an effort to work itself into your conduct yeah. from the inside out. I just That's awesome. Um, anybody want to read? We're going to read the, the last chunk is the whole, the rest of the chapter, verse 25 to 32. Thanks, Colm. Um, verse 20, 25 says, Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. 
and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Thank you. So, I mean, this answers the question of how we, as Christ's body and as a family and as a church, should live. He's speaking to believers here. All right? I've got, a, I've got a revelation going through this in my own study, and I just want to share that with you. And I'm going to, each point says truth, not lies. So he says, stop telling lies. Instead, let, let us tell your neighbors the truth. Right? For we're all, we're all one body. So he doesn't just say stop telling lies. He says, instead of telling lies, tell your neighbors the truth. And the second point is don't let anger control you. Don't, let, don't go into sin by let, letting anger control you. The third one is don't steal, but instead give. give. And he doesn't say just give. He says give generously to others in need. The next one, he says, instead of tearing people down with your mouth, rather build them up. And he ends off with all of the above statement. He says, instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. The revelation that I got is that it's not just for you individualistically to live a moral life where the world so much thinks that that's what it means to be a Christian, is that you live your life morally. It needs to be focused on others. Right? He says, don't tell lies, but tell the truth. Don't steal, give. In other words, stop living selfishly and start living selflessly. And you just think of Christ in that moment. And that's how the, I believe that's where God is stirring his church right now. It says, how are you being salt and light if you're not making a difference? The whole point is you need to give. You need to give flavor. You need to give light in the dark places. You see, there's no value in self-improvement if it doesn't improve someone else's situation. What's the point of making myself a better person if I'm not going to be that better person to Siobhan or to my wife, right? It's, it's always relational. It's, it reminds me of Jesus when he tells a story about if someone asks you to go one mile with him, go two. It's like, don't just stop stealing. That's good. Thank you that you're not stealing anymore. But now be generous. Yeah, right? So go exactly. the extra mile. You know? So that's, that's the, the, the heart there. But I think one of the things that, that, that causes us to, to not... Um, behave in that way is because so, so often we are isolated in our faith. Like, I can be isolated and stop stealing. Yeah. Right? So there, there's... It, and you think you're doing good, but I'm not taking anything from anybody. I'm not taking anything from anyone anymore. You know? But at the same time, the heart of God is not just to not take something. Yeah. The heart of God is to give. Like, the beginning of that, that whole diversity, yeah. he gave gifts unto me. Right? So that, that gift there is to serve, to give to someone else. And to give generously. And to give generously. And I think, again, this is an echo of, of, of Romans 12. He's, he's, Romans 12, you would see, it's like the, let speak with grace is those who exhort, exhort. Mm. Those who give good words, give good words. Don't forget to be hospitable. Give. Right? This is those who give, give generously in Romans 12. And so these are not spiritual gifts. You know, the Lord didn't bless me with this gift. <laughs> no, no, we all have the capacity to do this. And yeah. I think it's easy for us to talk about this like this, but I would, I would challenge all of us, including myself, that the one place at the moment where we see each other the most is either on a Wednesday or on a Sunday. 
right? And I think it, I think God is doing something so awesome within this church that that that's we we're, we're going to be in each other's faces a lot, not because the church is starting programs, but because God is really beginning to birth relationships within us. And but before we get there, it's going to start where we see each other the most, right? And that's that's here on, on a Wednesday and it's on a Sunday, and I challenge you. Be kind to those who are not your friends at the moment. Who's not in the group. Who's not in the clique. Who's not so comfortable. I'm Captonian. We're clicky, man. We are clicky. And if I sit on this side of the church, then I stay on this side of the church. And I don't greet anyone on the other side. <laughs> right? And then... Yeah, yeah. Now, I'm speaking for myself. <laughs> you know, I sit on top. <laughs> but I'm saying that... that yeah. <laughs> yeah, you guys isolated me. So, you guys. But, uh, but, uh, but I'm saying this because I know, I know the, the joy that comes from see you walking into a place. No one knows you. I know the frustration of walking into a place and no one knows you. And no one cares. No one says hello. No one makes, no one invades your space. Someone like Craig doesn't want you to invade this space. Right? But we invite it anyway. <laughs> you, you make sure that your, your love spills over. Collateral love. You know? Make sure people feel it on a Sunday. And make it genuine, not because I'm challenging you to do it. But I mean, like, genuinely say, you know, I, I, I don't speak to that person. I don't communicate to this one. I don't reach out my hand to this one. Like, let's become what we are telling each other to become. Yeah. I believe God is doing something and the reason why he's saying, we're using the word family quite a lot is, when my family comes over, I make sure I greet every single one of them or my mother smacks me behind the head. Now there's no one here to smack me behind the head. <laughs> you know? But I mean, it would be rude if my aunt or my uncle walked in and I'm too busy having my own conversation to stop that and say, hey, how are you? Right? And if we consider ourselves family, then we ought to take it to, to its furthest extent. Yeah, and I, I want to... I think we're just in, encouraging... Like in my heart, when I joined the ministry, this is where I got... When I started reading and studying the Word and how relational it really is. Now we forget that. Because um, for me, it had to take a, a career shift. And I, I pray it doesn't take that for everybody. But... <laughs> I know, I know the rat race of life. I know the long hours and, and the pressures of work and how, you know what, the world just squeezes everything it can from you. When I'm talking about the world, I'm not talking about the dark, I'm talking about everyday life. That the only time you get is with your significant other or by yourself, just on that couch late at night and you're just like, Ugh. So there's not much time for reaching out and even reaching out now is, is if we can, is, is, is messages. But for me, when, when I had that shift and, and that realization that I can't, this is not who I am. And when you pour yourself into the word and you see your reflection, that angled mirror, you realize that who we are is defined by, the, by how we treat the others mm-hmm. around us. Arocha says, our Christ journey is defined by how we treat those who we share the road with us. And there's many type of people that share the road with us. Some are walking with us, or some are weary and tired and they've stopped for a little bit and they need encouragement. And some are even walking in the other direction. 
But you see, it's like life, we are so busy. I don't think the human race has ever been busier. And we pride ourselves in our busyness. Is that we're looking at this road like this. And people are going this way, right? You're bumping and you're carrying on. I mean, you just have to go to London and New York, and I can tell you, I do not like it. But that, the subway in London is the most accurate for me metaphor of human life right now, where people put the earphones on and separate themselves from the world. They are standing right next to each other without acknowledging anybody. I, it really disturbs my spirit. I went there in 2005 with my cousin as our 21st to go watch Liverpool in football. And he went to go with a hidden agenda, or well, not so hidden. He wanted to know if this is the place he wanted to live. And I just needed one tube ride to realize that this is not where I want to live. And it's just the, it's, it's a cosmopolitan life and there's many cultures, but just that blinkered life and how quickly you can just focus on yourself and people don't talk. And you realize how, how you love South Africa. When you leave this country, you realize how much you miss it. I promise you now. <laughs> the last few years I travel for a month in distances and you just can't wait to talk to that customs official. You just love South Africa. You like you, do, you can't stand home affairs until you come back. And you're like, I missed you because we are un- South Africans are unique. Is that we, even when we feel that we're not being friendly, they, we actually look at each other. Yeah. Mm. And you might get better service overseas, and you might get better things, but it's not human. It's not real. It's not relational. And I think for me, this is what Paul is saying. It's like let's get relational, like Christ was. Yeah. He was relational. He had a group of men that he cooked breakfast for on the beach. After him, and he came back. He came back to cook breakfast for them on the beach and just chill and have fish. We, I think we, we forget that. <laughs> anyway. That is commitment. I just rose from the dead and now I'm on the beach cooking breakfast. <laughs> anyway, that's what's on my heart. Uh, yeah, Great. I, I don't know if both of us can understand me. Go for it. Okay. Uh, I like um, verse uh, 7 and 8. I can't read English nicely, but... That's okay. Sorry. uh, The Bible says, God, for his love, he gave us uh, the gift. Mm. That gift is Jesus. Mm. And Jesus... When Jesus came, he died for us. Mm. The way he died for us, that's why... Uh, oh, my God. He died, and then that people was... Uh, that people was captive. Mm. They became captive. They became free. Ooh. Yeah. They became captive, and then... For God, for God is love, he make a way. Before the Bible say, it was if you make a sin, you have to pay something for, for your sin to go away. But in Jesus' name, when Jesus came and then died for us, even you make the sin, you are children of God, you will go uh, to ask for forgiveness, and then all your your sin is gone in Jesus' name. Amen. That's why, if we pray, we pray after pray, 
we will finish with in Jesus' name because it's him come to, to, save, to save us. Yes. And then I can say also uh, verse uh, 17 until uh, 25, the Bible, uh, the Bible said, uh, God said, if you are children of God, you can't lie. Mm. You can't lie. You can't make the sin. Mm. But if you have a spiritual, if you have a, the spirit, and spirit can can orient, ah, orient, orient you, steer orient you. you. Yeah. It's in French, orienté. Yeah. yeah, can orient you to. To not do the, to not do the, make the sin. Yeah. You have the ability to not sin any longer <laughs> yeah. with the spirit. The Bible says, "Children of God, we can. God will open us the eyes, and then you can see. You can see. There, they are. Is." Dark, and then God can show you what is happening there, mm. and then orient you, maybe in prayer of the gift of God, and then you can pray, and then everything it will be the dark will gone. Yeah, mm. I, I think you understand me. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Great. I can't keep on. No, you have. Did you? You have to reset for recording. Um, okay, I actually wanna, like we've been speaking a lot about being, um, being one and being one in diversity. And I think the diversity is what, the, what we have lost because like I was listening to Miles Monroe and he says that we are all born originals but we're all die copies. So the biggest thing, like you can say, okay, you need to be yourself, but in, this, in today's day and age, no one knows how to be themselves anymore. And um, I think like one of the things that um, God kind of showed me, because I was, I was dealing with, um, for some reason, the words of people were, were getting stuck on me. And I was, I was allowing the words to put me into bondage. And that comes from a lack of not knowing who you are. And one of the things that, um, the thing that God showed me, because I've been looking at cars, um, <laughs> was that um, we, we allow the words of people to stick because we don't go for regular servicing. And we don't go to regular servicing at our proper manufacturer. So then we end up going to counterfeit manufacturers, which is people, and then that causes more damage than good because you go to counterfeit manufacturers who has no qualifications or understanding of who you are. Mm. And um, I just thought that, so I just wanted to take a, a different step and- um, It's a good analogy. The diversity is amazing, but the diversity can only come when we really understand who we are. Yeah. And in that, then we can actually mm. move in line with so unity, if and that want, only yeah. comes from spending time with Jesus. If you want to know who you are, you need to ask the person who made you. There we go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
That's, that's a great analogy. Thanks, Megan. Anybody else? Did, did you want? I just wanted to say that the, in all that we discussed, the words echoing in my mind right now is when Jesus said, by this the world will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Yeah. And I ponder on that a lot because I don't understand why would he say that? Couldn't he have said, by this they'll know you're my, you're my disciples by how you love them, mm. by how you love the world, by something, something yeah. to that effect. I just find it really amazing how he said how you will have love for one another. And I think Paul was really echoing all of that here. Yeah. I'm not saying that you don't love people out there, people in the world, people that don't know Jesus. That's our calling. Mm. Um, but I think it's amazing that that is how, what, you know, how he, what he spoke to his disciples. Yeah, and, when he and that's what's echoing. And when he spoke that, he, it was straight after washing their feet. Right? It was an act of love. Yeah. It wasn't an emotion of love or a lesson of love. He washed their feet. And he says, by this, so the disciples, Jesus is watching as a leader, he's serving his followers, and he's saying to this is how the world will know that you're my followers, that you love one another in serving one another in acts of love. Um, for me, what just stood out when you said about London and how people just get caught up in their own world and how we see it coming through very clearly in the next generation of people who work for us because we'll send them out and audit, and instead of getting up from their chair and going to speak to the client, which is 10 meters away, they'll much rather send an email or interact with a screen rather than having like a conversation with another person. And I think sometimes, for me, what stands out is if at the core of our, of Christianity is this concept of relationships, then to me, if if I was the devil, I'd be like, this is the core thing I would want to attack and to create a distance in relationship and to create counterfeit relationships mm. in terms of like Facebook. Now you think you're being very relational and actually it's, it's, it's a fake relationship yeah. because you're not actually interacting with anyone on a real level. So rather like steer people towards like me and my screen and and that type of thing. And it's, it's such a warning for myself not to get caught up in this fake relationship that's mm. out there now and also how I bring up my kid yeah. to say, like, are you having genuine relationships with people? And that means you reaching out and also being open to when people reach out to you. Yeah. Yeah, that, that became very real when I was working in software development and I was uh, managing, partly managing a 20-year-old at the time so it's this generation you're talking about. And I said, okay, come to my office, we're gonna have a meeting. He says, no, but can we rather have it on Skype? I'm like, but I'm right here, we can have the meeting in person and we can talk. He says, no, but I don't feel comfortable. <laughs> and you laugh, but there are people today growing up, and we're not talking about teenagers anymore, we're talking about mid-20s, <laughs> early, early 30s, they don't know how to have a relationship without a keyboard and screen in front of their face. And um, and we can focus on that being that problem, but also how many of us talk to our neighbors anymore? Yeah. I, I, I don't talk to my neighbors. We only talk to our neighbors when we have a problem, right? <laughs> um, and we take the good walls make good neighbors kind of approach. But uh, yeah, it's, it's a real thing today 
to have to be a Christian is to have relationship, and I think that's what the world will know us differently. It's like we love one another within the family, but we're also reaching out to grow our family, and I think that's where it comes to. I think the screen is easier. It is easier. It's much it's easier. I don't have to deal with your stuff now. <laughs> I just push the screen off when I'm tired, right? But if I'm in your face, and I might be frowning, but I can send you a wink. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't be genuine. I don't have to be genuine. You don't have to be genuine. You don't have to bear with one another. There's no need for humility or gentleness or patience on a screen with a screen. Yeah. There's no need for that. And that's, yeah, go for it. No, I just wanted to say you talk about uh, frowning and I'm sending a week. I said to someone, I don't like emojis because I feel sometimes it doesn't truly reflect how people actually feel. It's convenient and the cool thing to do. <laughs> so I don't feel there's a genuineness when it's done. And that's why the emoji culture has boomed. And it's funny, you just know when the people that they give multiple emojis in one line, you're like, okay, over emojis. So obviously, it's, it's trying to. Um, but yeah, uh, the last person I want to ask is Dad, so what did you get from tonight? <laughs> <laughs> just a joke. Do you want to pray for us in closing, Dad? Sure. Lord, we thank you for our time together, the time of fellowship, discussion, time of reading, meditating, discussing the word. We thank you for the wonderful privilege that we can so openly and freely study your word without persecution as so many within your church are facing right now. We thank you for this freedom that we have in this great country. And Lord, we commit ourselves to you tonight. We pray for a peaceful night's rest, safe journey, safe driving, safe traveling for all of us on the road. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We hope that you've enjoyed this message. For additional resources and more information, come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za.